Welcome to this episode of Anesthesia on Air, the podcast from the Royal College of Anesthetists. Uh, my name is Russell Mpofo. I'm Director of Education, Training and Examinations at the College. Uh, and October is Black History Month. And today's conversation is inspired by this year's theme of time for change, actions, not words. And so today I'm really pleased to be joined by um, three uh, anaesthetists um, who are part of the college's membership and workforce. And I'll hand over a second to them to introduce themselves. And then we'll be having a conversation around uh, Black History Month, what it means to us, and uh, some thoughts around the future, either for our specialty or the college, but uh, we'll have a discussion about that. But firstly, I wanted to hand over to uh, my three guests who are with me um, to introduce themselves in turn. So firstly, I'd like to hand over to Desire. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Desire Onwache. Uh, I'm a consultant anaesthetist at Guy's and St. Thomas's Hospital. Um, I am a proud anaesthetist. I joined the specialty um, because every time I met an anaesthetist when I was in medical school, um, they were always the most relaxed doctors around. They're always like, call me by my first name. I'm going cycling. I've got a yacht. So I was like, yep, that sounds like I don't think I want to be involved in. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, so, yeah, um, I'm also the EDNI lead for my department, which is a brand new role. Um, so I'm kind of forging the role as I go along. I was born in Middlesbrough and moved to London uh, when I was a toddler and I've lived in South East London ever since. Um, I went to UCL Medical School um, and trained in South East London in terms of my anaesthetic training um, and yeah have not looked back. Very happy to be in this specialty and very keen to kind of move forward with Edie and I within our specialty. Thanks very much, Desire. Um, and then next, I'll turn to Daniel. Excellent, excellent. No, I'm looking forward to my yacht as well. Um, that's good. <laughs> that's going to be good. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm Daniel. Um, I'm a CT3 in anaesthetics. I'm really enjoying it. Um, I spent a good few years out of training in between F2 and uh, core training anaesthetics, um, doing different things and trying to find out what I was keen on and anaesthetics and, and ICU and, and that sort of thing sort of kept on popping up. I think for me, it's the enjoyment and the focus on uh, the basic sciences and physiology at the same time as looking at the body and the human uh, as a whole person and following them through that journey. But at the same time as you get to do some great, interesting, adventurous stuff all around the world, and I think I think to, to all of extent, you know, it opens doors um, uh, as opposed to closing doors, in in my opinion. Otherwise, I'm, I'm from a very uh, medical family, which I think uh, played a huge role, in, like like it does with with many people, and definitely helped me through a lot of challenges. Um, originally from Nigeria, um, I enjoy lots of different African things, and I, I definitely claim my heritage uh, very strongly, as well as my my British, uh, you know, culture at the same time, um, and. Um, that's it. Yeah, I'm having a good time. And uh, Black History Month, I think, is a special time to to focus and, uh, and appreciate what's going on. Um, I went to medical school in uh, Devon in Peninsula. Um, that's uh, Plymouth and, and Exeter and Cornwall. Um, having, having grown up uh, to about 10 years old uh, in London, in Hackney and in different places in London, and then moved to uh, Torquay, English Riviera, um, and went to uni there, like I said, and then moved to uh, Aberdeen, Scotland, um, coast to coast um, for uh, F1 Foundation. And then since then, um, I've been back in Devon um, and in London. So I'm moving around quite a lot um, using medicine to, to, to travel. And it's, it's been great. 
thank you, Daniel. Uh, really, really rich introduction. And yes, uh, Black History Month really, really poignant time to celebrate. Um, I'll also now now turn to my third guest as well, uh, Sakina. Sakina, would you like to introduce yourself? So, um, hi everyone. Uh, my name is Sakina Bakare. I am an SC6 anaesthetics and intensive care medicine uh, dual trainee in northwest London, uh, currently working at the Royal Brompton. I um, went to medical school in, uh, the south, in the West Country, so Bristol, and did my foundation years in the West Country as well. And uh, similar to the stories you've heard, um, I when I decided I wanted to, didn't want to be a surgeon or a medic, um, the only other specialty that seemed to have that amazing work-life balance, you know, having bake-offs, cycling, um, but still being in the hospital and being everywhere in the hospital. So the variety really attracted me to medicine. And um, anaesthetics is quite an academic specialty as well. And it was going to allow me to continue, you know, studying the subjects I enjoyed in medical school. So I guess a bit nerdy that way, but um. But definitely that that sort of work-life balance really, really, um, really attracted me to the specialty. Um, in terms of uh, what I like doing outside of uh, medicine, so I've got a four-year-old and a seven-year-old, and they seem to take up most of my time. So most of my um, hobbies are around them. But um, interestingly enough, I'm also uh, Nigerian as well. So I've got a strong uh, Nigerian background and, and part of my mission at the moment is making sure my children are very Nigerian. <laughs> so we spend our time um, doing a lot of cultural stuff and learning some Nigerian dance moves, listening to Afro beats. So, you know, it was probably here Whiskey or Bonaboy in my house at any point in time. Um, but um, but also just um, spending time. Um, one of the other passions of mine is um, sort of um, education and inclusion um, at any level. So I spend a lot of time with um, other younger girls um, talking about what I do as a medic and how I balance my work, um, my work life, um, my work and my life together, you know, being a mother of young kids and how that's worked with my training and how Basically, I'm doing it all <laughs> and still trying to keep sane. Um, so that's um, so that's about me in a bit of a nutshell. Thank you. Well, thank you very much to the three of you. And as you can see, um, I'm joined by icons of our specialty, uh, the future of our specialty and, uh, and leaders doing so much uh, up and down the country and have such rich experiences. Um, so welcome. Um, so I think what we'd like to try and open the conversation up with is that uh, today we'll be talking about Bl Black History Month and throughout the month of October is when uh, Black History Month is celebrated. And I'd like to just start by asking you to reflect upon what Black History Month means to you. Um, has it been celebrated uh, where you're where you're working currently? has been celebrated in either trusts? Is there conversations happening uh, within your staff groups? And have you seen a difference between, because you've mentioned that you've traveled, um, you've worked in different parts of the country, have you felt a difference between how Black History Month is celebrated from where you are now compared to um, other, other areas? Um, so firstly, I'd just like to turn to Desire. To be fair with you, um, I think my, 
I think my view is a bit skewed because I've always been in London and London is quite diverse. So in general, I find that people do engage a bit more with Black History Month. I definitely would say that things have improved over the years. So, um, you know, back in the day, um, it wasn't necessarily something that everyone was involved in. It was very much, you know, within my circle of black friends or black colleagues but now it's definitely a lot more widespread and you know people who aren't black are more aware of it and more interested in um some of the events so at my trust they run quite a few um events throughout the month of october related to black history month whether it be related to food tasting or historical things or, or talks um and it's quite well advertised on the trust intranet page which is very good and there's posters everywhere. So actually I do feel like the Trust is um, putting a lot of effort into promoting Black History Month. Um, I think because of how staff feel at the moment in terms of burnout and, and working, I don't think that many people are engaging with a lot of the extracurricular things the Trust puts on because just coming to work and doing your regular shift is a lot of effort now. Um, compared to pre-COVID, I think people value their time away from work a lot more. Um, so engagement is not um, as high as I would um, imagine it could have been pre-COVID. Um, but definitely um, the Trust has um, put a lot of um, effort into advertising and promoting Black History Month, which I think is a good thing. Um, and I think like Sakina was saying earlier, um, just getting everyone involved um, and getting everyone interested in Black history, not just focusing on people of colour, but trying to make sure everyone knows the importance of the history and the background and, and how it affects them and affects us currently in our working and personal lives, um, I think is very important to focus on in this month's, uh, this year's month. Um, so, yeah, definitely a good thing. And can, can I ask just a follow on question? Where you've seen... Uh, Black History Month celebrated throughout the month of October. Have you seen that the Trust has been able to continue those celebrations or continue that learning throughout the rest of the year? No, to be honest, um, they focus on it more in October. And I think um, in general, they do promote um, equality and diversity, um, but they have different focuses at different time of the year. So, for example, if it's Diwali or Eid, they'll focus on that. If it's um, um, the LGBTQ, they'll focus on that in June during Pride. So there are kind of different focuses depending on the time of the year. And there won't always necessarily be something specific to Black History Month or Black History throughout the rest of the year. Um, and when the kind of Edi and I focus really took off was after the George Floyd death um, and initially it definitely was focused on um, the black um, groups um, but now they've tried to make it a lot more inclusive so obviously including Asians including uh, anyone who think you know classifies themselves as, as non-English, non-white, including anyone who feels marginalised, whether it's um, because of their sexual orientation or disability, that kind of thing. So they've really expanded what ed &I means in the trust. Um, and therefore their focus in that sense, I guess, can't always be on black history, um, which is understandable. Um, but obviously for me personally, black history is important to me. 
So it's something that I would definitely be more interested in uh, taking part in. Thank you, Desire. And uh, um, Daniel, is that, does that is that similar to your experiences that celebrations have been around sort of food tasting, experiencing black culture? And have you seen more of, of uh, celebrations or more focus since George Floyd? Mm, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, no, uh, since George Floyd, everything's been amped up as it as it should be um and i think that's the natural flow of things um to be honest um prior to george floyd um in my experience there wasn't really anything to be honest maybe a few pictures on the on the intranet um you know maybe some you know a few food things but but nothing really of um deep substance i think i think george floyd obviously opened everyone's eyes and made us more raw in our acceptance of um the facts and appreciation of you know what must be done and um people are a lot more comfortable with saying black and talking about black things now um which is which is i think very very good um I, it takes me back to uh, when I was CT1 in my hospital um, after Black History Month. Um, this was when Chadwick Boseman died, um, a prominent figure in the Black community, Black Panther. Um, everyone was shocked. Anyway, we were in theatre, everything was fine, we were doing a nice, nice little case, and it was, it was just me. Um, uh, my consultant left me alone, and it was good. But anyway, um, the surgeon and the registrar were discussing Chadwick Boseman. I thought, well, this is a nice conversation. You know, I'm, I'm going to chime in and have, you know, and, and, and say my part. And they started discussing more and more black issues, you know, about, you know, what needs to be done, some knife crime and, you know, youth and, and you know, why, again, this Chadwick Boseman was, was, was such a figure and what he stood for. And I thought to myself, are they going to ask me or do, do I just butt in? And I said, I said, OK, let me make, make, let me make it very obvious that I want to get into the conversation. And I'm the only black person here and there's not many black people here. So let me make it obvious because I think it's a natural thing to involve me in the conversation. Um, I put my head out and, and let them see right over the curtain and they still didn't involve me. And I thought, hey, there's something wrong here. I think this is a little bit weird. It's a little bit strange. Um, and to be to be fair, I'm not sure what conclusion that I draw from that. Um, but, um, you know, I think Part of the role of Black History Month is, um, again, understanding the struggle politically, social, socially, academically, professionally that black people have gone through and uh, reacting to that in a very real way. And then that be and let it be present in, in people's subconsciouses and, and minds. Um, so and, and let it manifest through their behaviors. So that was interesting. But anyway, at a different hospital at Queens, Queens Romford, if I'm allowed to say that, if I'm allowed to say hospitals here. But um, but it was it was great. It's, it's obviously a very diverse place. And and um, I think they're very proud of being diverse. And the Black History Month was brilliant. Everyone got involved. There was uh, storytelling. Um, there was flyers. There was, of course, enjoyment and celebration and food tasting, as there always should be. And a little bit of dancing, a little bit of shake a leg leg, you know, and, and that, that's important. Um, but at the same time, there was there was some serious storytelling. And um, I think that even though it's just in that month, it filters down 
into you know people's subconsciouses and and makes them aware and lead has a butterfly effect and and leads to more and more conversations um and leads to that appreciation i think um so i i think what needs to happen is that the black history month needs to be a, a diffuse sort of um disseminated movement of different activities which filter down to the personal level and did you feel involved in the celebrations when you uh, um uh more recently absolutely uh well uh more recently so that was that was last year more recently in prison hospital i can't say there's been a lot so it's it's very um you know give and take in different hospitals to be fair um but you know despite the fact there's a large contingent of of you know black employees nurses doctors and ancillary staff you know i don't think the black history month really is is doing justice um to be fair where i am right now um but everywhere is different and you know i'm not criticizing i'm, I'm, I'm just saying you know yeah. comparing it to where i was before but i'm not really feeling it here yeah yeah and sakina can i can i ask about your experiences and your reflections on black history month and whether there have been conversations uh positive engaging or celebrations um in your experience or where you've worked um, so um, I think this year is a bit more in tune with Black History Month um, because it's been a bit more um, advertising, I would say, from different organisations um, and different things I encounter with on a daily basis. Um, so I'm part of um, um, Desires, Desires Trust as well. And um, it, I was quite impressed. I was looking through all the um, events they put on, on the website, so things in person, things... Um, you know, things you could sort of webinars and prominent speakers talking about different aspects of, um, of issues that affect black people, both in healthcare, education. And I think it, I think it looks, I mean, the lineup looks excellent. But unfortunately, because of burnout, um, I think a lot of people will struggle um, to get to those. But it doesn't stop the fact that those things have been put on and those things should keep going on year after year. Um, and I guess just, I mean, just like everybody else who's moved from, you know, anywhere in the country to London, that, that, that difference is very clear. Um, I think throughout my university and sort of um, foundation program years, Black History Month wasn't something that was even on my radar at work or in, in the environment I was in. But I think we've got to remember a lot of things have changed in the last couple of years as well. So it's more prominent. Um, what does it mean to me? Um, it means uh, celebration, so celebrating our culture, our her our heritage, um, learning about our culture and learning about our heritage as well and teaching everyone else about it. Also, I also feel really strongly that it's also an opportunity to educate everybody else about what it's like to be black and how you can support support someone because i mean there is no doubt in my mind and um if you when you when you when you're going about your normal life you know before covid and before all that stuff you just kind of went with the flow the status quo you didn't really think too much about anything else there really isn't time everyone has busy lives i think this month allows you to sort of stop and see how your actions um can make someone someone else's life easier you know, how you can support someone else. Because I really feel sometimes it's just not on your radar that that person who is, you know, 
who doesn't look like you or has a different background from you might be struggling in the same environment that you're in that you're thriving in and I once heard someone put really eloquently that if the most disadvantaged person in the room can thrive you are automatically setting up a system that means everyone thrives and there's been a, a lot of people feel that if you're making allowances for x person y person because of x y or z then surely people who are thriving are, are not going to thrive but that's not the case and that's not what the evidence shows and i think this month is just reminding i mean part of what this month should be about is reminding everyone that there are these disparities and unfortunately because we have these disparities it means we're just wasting talent you know we're not taking advantage of people's experiences from different parts of the world and different parts of the environment um because everyone has something unique to bring to the table and by celebrating our differences by making sure everyone is supported and by learning how i can support someone else um then we're going to have just a richer community and more just a more productive community um, at the end of the day and as healthcare professionals we want our nhs obviously is under a lot of pressure and considering there's a huge amount of people in the nhs who are from who, who identify as black um surely by making the environment that they work in just better you know how can you then you can capitalize on on this huge um resource so that's I mean, I know if it's almost like you've asked me what 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 do I wish for Black History Month, then it's almost <laughs> like I'm wishing for a rainbow to play right now. Um, but I think even though it sounds huge, there's a step every single person can take. And if for my colleagues, it's acknowledging this is Black History Month, and there are Black people I work with, and there's not that many of them. Why isn't that many of them? What is it that stops them from being part of this amazing specialty? And you, Sakina, why, what made you want to join anaesthetics, and how did you experience that? Um, I think that would be, I think that, that would be enough for me, really. Sakina, so, you know, I, I think you raised some really amazing points there. I really like what you said about the fact that Black History Month really is just a reminder about the disparities that that are at play here, and um, you know, setting the trend for for the rest of the years. It's just a small time, isn't it? But really, you want that to actually filter down and actually make a difference properly. Um, it reminds me of of uh, two individuals actually in the hospitals that, that I've I've worked at. Um, where really the, the Black History Month wasn't, you know, that impressive to be fair in terms of what was happening. But um, these two individuals were were very uh, pivotal in, in in my experience. One of them, the consultant in ICU and anesthetics, um, he deals with all the medical students, and he said, um, no, there was a there was a black medical student. It must have been fourth year or something, and he called me from from my theatre where I was, and I said, Daniel, come. I want you to meet uh, one of the medical students in front of everyone. He said that with his chest, and 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 um and I was I was really happy about that. I said, yeah, I want to be friends with him. This is great. I want to I want to you know have a chat with him and want to help him or, or do whatever I can. He never said the word black. He never said you know be friends with him because he's black and you're black and it could be it could be great. But uh, just be friends with him. Obviously, that was the reason why he did that, and I really appreciated that, and that was very very welcomed. Um, I, I thought it was it was it was a great thing. 
Um, and obviously he under he understood and acted on those disparities and, and understood, you know, what anxieties perhaps this medical student was having being in, in, in that environment. Um, another another one of my senior colleagues um, in intensive care mentioned actually during Black History Month that, you know, this, you know, during COVID and, and even now we can see a lot of um, uh, the ethnic minorities, particularly uh, black people having um, poor outcomes in intensive care. And that probably has a lot to do with uh, our treatment and a human, I don't know if you can call it a human error, but human interaction somehow and human attention. Um, and actually, let's put some data on the ground and, and, and let's get this going. I've noticed it, but Daniel, maybe, you know, you could take the lead or maybe, you know, you, you know, you can put some stuff together and I can help you do that. And maybe you can, you know, you can grab a few of your other colleagues as well from from your background and, and, and have a look at it. But I've just noticed, noticed it and I thought, wow, that's great. You know, um, I don't have to do it. You know, I might be too busy for it, but um, he's still noticing, you know, what disparities are at play and and acting on it and, and, and doing his part. And, and clearly, you know, he didn't just do it to do his part, but he actually, he actually felt the need to do it um, in, inside his heart. Um, so, yeah. So, Daniel, is that, is that a piece of work that will be you start to look at or that your hospital will start to look at in terms of disparities in care or outcomes for for black people black and ethnic minority people yeah 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 i mean it's early days yet and and um you know it's obviously something which needs to be done properly um any kind of research needs to be done properly um but we're, we're discussing it and um trying to see exactly how we can make that happen in a in a uh, in an academic way to to end up with something with a, a good outcome which everyone can see um but i mean i think everyone knows what the facts are anecdotally and what happens in in you know in front of our eyes um to, to these sort of patients um you know covid was a good example but there's not a lot on paper and um you know in in numbers to to act on so yeah but, but we are planning to do that yeah so excellent desire can i bring you in yeah, I was going to actually just um, dovetail on what um, Daniel has said. Um, I do a lot of obstetric anesthesia and there's a campaign called Five Times More. I'm not sure if any of you have heard of it, but basically it comes from the fact that when the original data was um, presented, black uh, women and women of colour were five times more likely to have a bad outcome um, when they were having a baby during their pregnancy or in a postnatal period. And that kind of spurred this campaign to increase awareness of the fact that uh, black women are at a disadvantage when it comes to maternal care, whether it's because of um, access to health care or it's because of biases from staff treating them. Um, and actually, that's a big thing that um, we are trying to push in our trust in terms of increasing staff awareness, because what I found is that and I have seen this um, personally when I've worked on the labour ward, black women are not taken seriously when they complain about pain, when they complain about reduced fetal movements, when they complain about PV bleeding, they are not taken as seriously as white women. And I have seen this with my two eyes. It's happened to my sister when she came to deliver. It happened to one of my good friends when she came to deliver. 
And people will swear up and down that there's no issue, that there's no problem, that no desire, you're making it up. I'm like, I can literally give you clear examples where this has happened. Um, and I I am such an advocate for black people now. So whenever there's a black woman who comes to maternity, I will go above and beyond for that woman because I know that nine times out of 10, no one else will. And it's interesting that it's not just um, white people or Asian people who treat black patients this way you also get black staff treating black patients this way and I don't know if it's something um, in you know the medical culture or if we feel like oh, oh black women are too dramatic you hear all of these kind of things a lot um, and I think there's a lot of stigma and a lot of kind of traditional um, ways of looking at things that do really need to change and I think um, Black History Month like Sakina said, is like a starting point of where can we do better? How can we do better? How can we raise awareness for these kind of things? Um, I know for me on a personal level, um, I've had people say things to me throughout my career that I'm like, do you really understand how racist that sounds? And people don't even get it, you know. Um, and I think now, because there's so much press, there's so much information out there, you cannot use ignorance as an excuse anymore. You cannot say, oh, oh, because I, you know, didn't grow up in London, I didn't grow up around diversity, I don't know what to say, I don't know what's correct. I, I don't take that as an excuse at all anymore from anybody, because there's so much information out there now, unless you've been living under a rock, you should know what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. I've had, um, you know, staff say to me, oh, I didn't like you when you first came here. And I say, why? Why not? I say, I don't know. Is there something about you? I'm like, really? Just something about me? And I'm like, I'm a woman of colour. That's literally like being black twice. And I say it all the time because there's so much disadvantage and people instantly look at you from a negative standpoint. And I, I know, I'm sure as you know, we're all from Nigerian culture in this discussion. Um, I was always told I need to work 10 times harder in order to prove myself. And I literally have done. I've literally done fellowships. I've done so much research. I do talks in obstetrics, in airway, in regional anesthesia, in loads of conferences, because I literally feel like in order to get the same level of respect as my white counterparts, I have to be 10 times better. And I've literally seen that in my career as my own personal experience. So I think these discussions need to be had um, and actually almost, almost forcing the agenda um, of Black History Month, almost forcing the issue of race, almost forcing the issue of racism is so, so important. Um, and when the job advert came out for an EDNI lead for my department, I ummed and ahed about doing, I said, like, oh yeah, it's so stereotypical, the one black consultant must be the EDNI lead. But at the same time, I thought if I saw a white person doing it, I would be cussing. So let me <laughs> actually step up and do this role. Um, which I think has been a good thing for me and a good thing for the department, actually, to see that there are things that we can do to improve. So, yeah, I'm going to stop talking. Now. <laughs> no, that's great. Uh, just want to see you, Daniel. Did you want to come in? Yeah, that's brilliant. That's 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 brilliant. You know, I, I really appreciate your honesty there and your candidness. I think that goes a long way and encourages others to be honest and, and candid um, where, where they need to be. <laughs> and no, well, actually, it's, re it's really inspiring. And um, I, I talked to um, I talked to our staff internally in the college, and I've spoken at a number of events. And I talk about this being told to work ten times 
10% better or 10 times as hard to get to level the playing field compared to white colleagues. And that was, a, I kid you not, that was a story I sort of had drummed into me by my mother since around maybe four or five years old and rings in my ear today. Um, I, I did want to ask um, uh, people on, on the call, you, you represent some of the brightest minds of the future of anesthesia um, and Black History Month, its theme this year is a time for change, action, not words. And so if you were, if you had that want to change or if, if our listeners could make one change today or the, the college as your membership representative body could make change, what would it be? What would you like to see Black History Month be to catalyst for change in? Um, Sakina, can I come to you first? Hi, thank you, Ross. You're asking me for a <laughs> magic wand now. Um, I think probably the most important thing is upping the number of um, black trainees because essentially black trainees become uh, black consultants. Um, and even, even across the board, so I'm talking about non-training grades as well, we still have, there is still a significantly less um, proportion of black people in anesthesia and intensive care medicine. And for a specialty that can, I mean, I, I mean, I stand up and say, I always say anesthesia is diverse, but it's getting difficult for me to say that knowing that there is a significantly less number of black people in anesthesia compared to specialties like obstetrics or GP or psychiatry. And I guess the question is why, what is dissuading medical students? Because it starts right back in medical school. What is dissuading medical students from coming through the foundation program? into ACCS anesthesia or core anesthesia um, because we know they're going into emergency medicine you know so what is, what is dissuading them from coming through and and they are getting some of that experience of anesthesia and you know some people do switch from EM to anesthesia and you know what is dissuading them from coming through is it because they're not seeing enough role models and if they're not doing seeing enough role models um, what can the college do to support the existing role models so that they can um, bring more um, trainees into um, anesthesia um, and intensive care intensive care medicine um, there are many I mean there are many many ways and the most important thing is we like you said we've said with everything else there's an anecdotal evidence it is obvious when you walk into a room it is obvious when you walk into a conference and unfortunately it is obvious when you go to the college um, you know, when you go to the college graduation service, you know, after the, when, when we get our exams, you know, you, you look around the room and for all those, you know, after your final, you know, Daniel, which will be coming up soon, you, you go and get your diploma and, and, you, and you look around and there's not that many black people in the room. And and I know, you know, it, it is obvious. And just like, you know, was shared, I'm also from a Nigerian background and growing up, I learned not to look around the room to see what was going on and just focus on myself and what I was doing and not worry too much about the colour of people around me. But not everyone has grown up that way. And for some people, it's very important. Um, and, you know, the whole thing about working 10 times as hard, you know, it's um, all of these things that may be things that are dissuading people from coming to the specialty I know for a fact it's th there's a multitude of reasons um, but I think the first thing on the agenda is probably finding out one what the numbers are so we know the numbers 
and to start talking talking about the experiences of those who are in the college and then three seeing how the college can be supportive to bring more um, black medical students or foundation doctors into into anesthesia and and building up on on the work that the college does um for diversity because they do a lot of work for diversity and they're and it is an inclusive specialty but how can we do even better i guess is the question thanks very much sakina and i and i think that's a i think that's a nod both to the college and also to our listeners who can do some of that proactive outreach um, to encourage uh, more black people into a specialty. Daniel, can I turn to you on the question of what would uh, change look like if Black History Month was a catalyst for that change? Absolutely. Um, I can't say I have anything specific to add on top of what Desire fantastically said and um, Sakina said, you know, I think they made some really great points. But for me, I think anybody who's listening to this who, who's not black um, is clearly a supporter of, of Black History Month and and um, definitely wants to do something and, and, and support the movement is ask your black colleagues, you know, if, if there's any issues that, that, that they want to talk about or ask them about their experience, because it makes a huge difference. It's made a huge difference for me and verbalize those things and ask about you know sickle cell and and the, those type of patients um and you know maternity as well um and mortality stuff and and whether there should be more black anesthetists and and why there isn't and have those conversations and i think those conversations will will, will, will lead to more change and of course um i think we need more uh you know black anesthetists and and and, and doctors in intensive care and i think that will definitely create create a lot of change but how we do that i, I think that's that's the that's the tricky part but um yeah that's that's it for me thank you daniel and uh desire can i bring you in now to give some thoughts or some uh feelings about what action may look like or what change may look or feel like to you um i think from the anaesthetic perspective, I would love to see the college do a bit more in terms of supporting um, Black History Month and kind of this agenda going forward. Um, so I know that being an ED&I lead for my department is a thing that is specific to my hospital as far as I'm aware. I don't think that's a widespread role, but if the college could support that in any way, that would be fantastic. Um, the same way, you know, they've um, uh, encourage that each department has an airway lead, you know, the same way there's a lot of, um, you know, information about sustainability and the environment, like really push EDNI as another very important topic that the college needs to get behind 100%. So I think that will be a way forward, really, just so that in terms of the anaesthetic profession, we can all look at it more seriously, that it's not just something that we talk about on the side. This is an action point. This is a goal. Uh, this is something that we need to focus on um, in the present and in the future in terms of um, the Royal College's um, uh, input. Thanks very much, Desire, and um, and I think those are really good pointers for for us all to think about in terms of what Black History Month means and how can that be a uh, a jumping board to to further change. Uh, we've now come to the end of our um, time on the podcast, so I'd like to thank Desire, Daniel, and Sakina for your time, uh, your thoughts, and your inputs. I think it's really been thought provoking, illuminating, and it gives 
it gives us all something to think about in terms of how we can continue to support Black History Month, but also support uh, the future of Black doctors and the future of our specialty. Um, uh, you can read more, our listeners can read more about the experience of Black anaesthetists and what Black History Month means on the college's website. The college will continue to celebrate uh, Black History Month throughout the month of October. And please also feel free to um, to uh, link and have a listen to the other podcasts in the college's series of Anesthesia on Air. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Anesthesia on Air from the Royal College of Anesthetists. Make sure you don't miss out on the latest episodes by clicking subscribe on your favourite podcast platform. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you give us a review. It helps others find our podcast. If there is a topic you'd like us to cover or you'd like to feature in the podcast, please email podcast at rcoa.ac.uk. And finally, if you would like to access more podcasts, as well as videos, e-learning, webinars, and our programme of events and courses, you can find them all online at rcoa.ac.uk forward slash education. We hope to see you again soon. Please note, all views expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals and not those of the Royal College of Anaesthetists.